We are on the cusp of a major social change. Do you feel it? Even if you don't, make no mistake, change is coming, and it is going to be unforgettable. I'm your host, Dr. Sarah Hart, and here on Prime Spark, where we work with and on behalf of women over 55, I want to help you find that spark that will ignite your way forward, reflect your gifts to the world, and illuminate your path through this next stage of life. Through these podcast conversations, I hope to inspire you to see how you can make a significant contribution to some of the gnarly problems that are facing us right now. Join me, and together, let's discover our Prime Spark. Hi, and welcome to Prime Spark. I'm Sarah Hart, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Prime Spark is designed for women over 55 or close, with a goal to help us all live our happiest, most fulfilling, and productive lives now and in the future. The mission of Prime Spark is to change the way our society sees and treats older women. That's a big mission, which only means we all need to be involved and we need to get going now. And today I have the great pleasure of talking with Harriet Tubman Wright, a woman whose work I greatly admire. Harriet Tubman Wright, MSMA, is a lifelong learner, spiritual sojourner, and cultural creative. She believes that we must use our innate wisdom as mature, creative women changemakers to help heal humanity and the planet. In doing so, we create a new paradigm of feminine leadership and an enduring legacy of revolutionary social change. As director of the Wright Resort, your soul safari to success, she guides spiritual women entrepreneurs, executives, and leaders to fulfill their soul's calling so they can live healthy, purposeful, and prosperous lives. She mentors them to express their true essence and share their soul-aligned gifts to transform businesses, organizations, communities. Women with whom Harriet works incorporate stress release and self-care practices that enhance their body, mind, spirit, well-being, and thrive. Shift back into limitation. Shift lack and limitation thinking to a bountiful blessing mindset and prosper, risk new livelihood possibilities, and flourish. Welcome, Harriet. I'm so happy you're here today. Thank you. I'm pleased to be here. So in getting started, let me just ask you, do you experience getting older? And if you do, what is that experience? (laughs) <laughs> and if you don't, why do you think it is that you don't? I'm definitely experienced getting older. And I often say when people see me, uh, this gray is not Clairol. <laughs> 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 and uh, some of the activities that I used to do, I don't do as quickly or as often 
Of course, uh, I always ask for a senior discount, no matter what. I mean, I got my ARP card and that's great, but everywhere it's, it's just, I have a thing and your senior discount. Uh, so that aspect, I definitely appreciate. And there are, um, things that I used to do very comfortably at a younger age that takes longer now. And I'll say the most important aspect of that is I recently came through an elder rite of passage. And what that means is that, you know, being officially recognized as an elder, respected, looked to as an elder. And that shift has really um, made a big difference in not only how I feel about myself um, and feel an obligation, a duty to share stories and wisdom uh, with others. And, you know, I'm continuing to learn. It doesn't matter that I'm the age that I, I'm, I am. I'm continuing to learn and continuing to teach. So tell me about this rite of passage. It's, it comes from my feeling of having lived in, in, in Africa, having visited India, and seeing the ways that elders are revered and respected in those cultures and in our um, indigenous cultures here in America. Elders are respected. I don't, just because we get an art card doesn't necessarily <laughs> mean that that we are respected. So I um, spoke with a dear friend who is steeped in multicultural um, programs uh, from just around the world. And um, we put together an elder circle. It was actually something that I had talked to my church about in our women's group talked about the fact that, you know, we're, we're, what does it mean to be an elder in this country? And um, so I invited them to this group um, and uh, Yeye Louisa Tish conducted the classes. We decided we're going to do this rite of passage. And initially, you know, we could invite family and friends. And on the Friday night, we were simply asking their permission their permission and blessing to go through this rite of passage. And then on Saturday, we had activities that really, you know, there were 11 of us that really bonded, helped to bond us as a, a group. And then on Sunday, we came back, we, we read our, our pledges, so to speak, and we were crowned. We had made crowns and we were crowned as elders and and then welcomed into the greater community. And, you know, we're on, each of us is saying, well, now this is my new name or this is my commitment. And then we would be crowned. And then there was a group picture and someone said, oh, because it was being videotaped. But, oh, can we take pictures? So at least 20 people from the audience came up. You know, everybody's taking these pictures on their phone. 
And, you know, we're just really receiving the love and I think beginning to accept we have a different level of responsibility individually and collectively because now we are recognized as elders who have life experience, who have wisdom, and it is our duty to share it. It is our responsibility. It is our joy to share it. And so it's made a a tremendous difference in how I see my role individually and collectively as a wise woman. I love that, Harriet. So I, I, there's so, oh, so many things about it I love. One of the main things I love is if, in general, our society won't recognize the importance of older people as elders in the community, then we will put together something and recognize it ourselves. So that it is recognized. I love that. Good for you. Good for you. I love that. Your name, um, Harriet Tubman Wright. How? Explain how that came about, because that's a very famous name. Um, I whenever I'm at an event, people say, "Well, you know, what's your name?" And I would always say Harriet, like Tubman. Because if I didn't, it would be, hi, Hazel, hi, Helen, hi, Henrietta. <laughs> so that was one That was one aspect of it. Uh, for many years, uh, when I, I um, returned from living overseas, I took uh, employment with the city of Oakland. And when I chose to retire, I chose to take the business name of Harriet Tubman Wright. Because in retiring, I felt I had left the plantation. In other words, working for somebody else, it was time to work for me as the right resort, which I had been doing on the side anyway. But it, you know, I took that as my business name when I left employment. <laughs> I I loved hearing that, um, and. So I really understand the impact that going through the elder service had on you. What kind of impact did it have on you to become Harriet Tubman, right? Well, I've always uh, I've always been very creative, multi-talented, and taking on, and I absolutely believe in freedom, in liberation. And, you know, my father was someone, I made good grades in school. I was on the honor roll, but I also was first violin. I was in the Modern Dance Honor Society. I I sewed my own clothes. I modeled these clothes. And so my creativity is an essential part of, of, of who I am and how I express uh, who I am and the freedom to do that. So many uh, women that I have worked with have been in jobs where they were underpaid, underutilized, frustrated, and stressed. And so this notion of soul's calling is, who were you born to be? 
what is it you're born to do? That's one of the ways that I've 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 worked with women so that we can come to a place of sharing our true essence, sharing what I call soul-aligned gifts. And it can be service in the community, it can be service in your church, in your spiritual community, it can be service in your organization and and your business. But the point is stepping into. I like to say stepping into your element, but it's it's being and doing what you're here to be, born to be, born to do. And when you're around someone who is is, you know, just even a salesperson who gives you 100% plus service, you are special. I appreciate you. I'm going to find help you find the right and perfect whatever. And there is an energy with that person because they are serving you from their highest and best, and they love doing it. And is that what you got from taking on the Harriet Tubman? That's part of it because, again, it was acknowledging my commitment to the freedom to be who you were born to be, the freedom to do what you were born to do, the freedom to serve others and not in in a way that is your gift, not what some so-called boss is telling you to do, but let your heart be your boss. Let your spiritual guide be your boss. And, you know, I'm not knocking supervisors and what I'm just saying that if we are here this time around, let's enjoy it. (laughs) Being, you know, just serving in the ways that that allow us not only to to share our skills and gifts, but more importantly, to make a positive difference for others, to support, guide, coach, mentor others, to be there, be and do their best. I mean, how many times do we get to come around? (laughs) We don't know that, do we? So why, when and why did you decide to work with mature women? I mean, how did, how did that happen? Well, you know, it's interesting because in my mind, mature, well, I took on this business as a mature woman, uh, but in my mind, mature women were in their 60s and 70s and 80s. But my very first program was attracting 40s, <laughs> women in their 40s. It was a, it was a, a, a program based on, um, on prosperity, prosperity mindset. And, you know, it was a six-week program. And they said, okay, well, what's next? So I had to create the next, the next six weeks, uh, you know, like applying this mindset and then many of those women became private clients, VIP clients, but uh, private clients. And um, it was so now I say mature. And if you think you're mature at 40 or 45, if you think you're mature at 80, it, you get to decide. That's why I use that term, because I was in my own mind, I was thinking one thing and the people who came you know, 
younger. <laughs> and now what's what I recognize, because we are going through a paradigm shift. And even though I work primarily with mature or older women, it is the younger women in their 30s and 40s who have more investment in the future, you know, indigenous people will say seven generations. So they bring more than technical skills to the table. And so I've opened my thinking to say, yes, you know, um, numerically older women, but younger women have something at stake too. So how do we come together collectively, collaboratively to make, help usher in um, the the environment, the mindset um, to to co-create changes within our businesses, organizations, and communities. And we can do that together because each of us bring gift to the table. When when you say uh, uh, the, a paradigm shift, what paradigm shift do you see in process? When I say paradigm shift, what I believe is that Mother Earth and Mother Nature will be here. The question is whether humanity will be here. And several years ago, I studied with Barbara Marks Hubbard, who really uh, talked about this, this paradigm shift. We see like the patriarchy has done and is doing what it has done. In my own heart, it is time for the divine feminine to 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 be I don't even want to say to well I'll say it to be elevated to be recognized and it doesn't so often in my language I will say the divine feminine and the sacred masculine no I'm not elim- trying to eliminate men you know that's not the point but there's a certain mindset patriarchal kind of mindset a, a certain mindset that has been, in my mind, more destructive for people and the planet. And so the the paradigm shift, oftentimes I say, we're coming through a birth canal. And so those feminine qualities of nurturing and tending and cultivating are essential for us to come safely through this paradigm shift and coke and and the and contribute to the healing that is required for us to live in peace as so, human beings so the paradigm shift you see is um a shift in um the way we are so you see it becoming more of a feminine than masculine in the in the typic in the traditional sense of those words. Well, I I see that the role of the feminine is significant in in creating the shift for healing humanity and the planet. It doesn't it I'm not saying go away men or eliminate men. I'm just saying the patriarchy has gotten us to a place that is quite frankly dangerous. And uh, if we're going to have a future, shifts have to be made. And so those uh, 
what I call divine feminine qualities. Ultimately, I would like to see what is called um, in ancient Egypt, Ma'at, and their principles of truth, balance, harmony, justice, righteousness, reciprocity. These are the qualities of, 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 of balance. This is, these are the qualities that uh, I believe will sustain our future. I agree with you, and I have, I mean, I am, I am a very optimistic person, and I don't have a lot of optimism that the dug-in patriarchy is going to happily let this happen. Not at all. <laughs> I think what we're seeing right now is, is a big pushback to that. And I don't think we know yet what's going to happen. I, I I absolutely agree with you in terms of the pushback, the resistance. And sometimes that happens when you know you're on your way out and you refuse to, to move over or share or do things differently. Um, and and, and it, we may not see that shift toward peace and justice in our physical lifetimes. But I do believe that if human humanity, human beings are going to be around, I mean, you know, I guess that there are some who can go to another planet, perhaps. <laughs> but as long as we're on this one, I would prefer to be in it, on it, and with it in peace. And peace, that's you know, and and I agree with what you're saying in terms of the resistance, the pushback, and and I understand that, but that's not going to stop me from at a collective effort to create the shift. So is that what you would describe the overriding purpose of the right result a resort is? You know, tell us about the right resort so that I will so that tell everybody you. knows what we're talking about. I will tell you about the right resort. And I want to say one thing about Harriet Tubman. She was in conditions that were not favorable for her. And she determined at a particular time when perhaps she was going to be sold that she was going to follow the North Star to freedom. She went alone, always, you know, at, at a time and touching the part, the bark of the tree to know what direction, da 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 bounty hunters after her. And she, you know, she got to the line where she knew that she was in a free state. And she talked about, you know, I looked at my hands and I just felt like there was a glory coming over me. Well, she stayed in, in Philadelphia for, for about a year and then she went back for her parents, for other people. And each time she made that trip, if somebody acted like they didn't want to go any further, she had that rifle. And she said, you're going to be free in the North or you're going to be free right now, but you are not going back. And so that is the spirit <laughs> of the right resort 
the right choice, the right thing to do. And initially, I was focused on self-care programs, and that's still, you know, fundamental because uh, we can't do anything unless we're taking care of ourselves first. Right. So self-care is fundamental. And yeah. as I said, as I began to work with more women who were so frustrated and stressed about the environments that they were working in, knowing that there was something more, I developed this notion of soul's calling, born to be and do. And then, you know, now recognizing, and well, a few years ago, recognizing the state that we're in and in that spirit spirit of, of Harriet Tubman, then it's social change. And that's a that's that's just necessary, I think, for not only the freedom, but the fulfillment of being alive at this time that you are that we are um, serving in a way that um, allows us to give from the best but also to cultivate the highest and best in others through our work. Um, and so that's, <laughs> in a nutshell, the right resort, your soul safari to success. I and love that. Your guide to be fulfilled and free, that just means to be fulfilled in who you are and how you are serving, how you are being in the world. Because, I mean, you know, we might come back, but as long as we're here now, let's make the best of it. <laughs> you know, as you were speaking um, about, uh, you know, our, 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 our responsibilities now and what needs to happen, so what went through my mind, I hadn't thought about this for years, was in the 60s, there was a saying about you're either part of the solution or you're part of the problem. And I really feel like we're sort of in that place again. Um, and so it seems to me that one of the things you're doing is helping women be part of the solution rather than part of the problem. Do you um, figuratively put a gun to their heads and say you're not going back? <laughs> I was using the example of what Harriet Tubman did and how how she was very successful uh, because of course, anybody who, you know, the idea of anybody going back would destroy the movement period of, of others moving forward. And so I don't, I did take right. Actually, when I was in college, there was a class um, gun shooting or rifle and I did I I learned how to hold a rifle and point it to a target I did the and and all it was was a class and it helped me get a lot of frustration out as well <laughs> I love it I love imagine seeing you holding a big rifle this is really a stitch but no I think people you know people are absolutely at choice and so if, you know, you, as we, as you said, you choose to be part of the problem and part of the solution. And I think being part of the solution is, is helping to have that clarity about what I'm, who am I here to be and what am I here to do at this time? 
what are the skills and talents and uh, resources I can bring to the table and be uh, work collaboratively and collectively because each person brings something to the movement, so to speak, and any movement whether it was in this country or another country, people with different skills and talents joined to make the difference or to at least work toward making the difference. (laughs) Why do you think, I mean, there are a lot of answers to this, but you've seen a lot of women now. And what are some of the things that keep women stuck? I mean, why can I be so dissatisfied with the situation and still stay there. And I, I know it's, you know, what you know is safer than what you don't know and da-da-da-da-da. But how do you see it? Um, I think that there, you know, it is definitely a mindset stuff. You can look at what your parents or your grandparents did. You can believe that, uh, oh, you know, I I can't do any better or This was what I chose. So now I'm stuck with it. I mean, there's just so many ways. And that's why when you have a, when there's a coach or a mentor, or even a friend who says, get over yourself, it's tough. It's tough, you know, get, get over yourself and, and let me support you, guide you uh, to, to have something to create something different for yourself. Um, And I think, you know, if you are a mother, you're wanting to be a good example, hopefully for your children, your grandchildren. Uh, One of, you know, I studied with Maladoma and Sabonfu Somme from uh, Burkina Faso. And one of the things Maladoma said was it was the role of the grandparent to remind the grandchild of their purpose. And that, made such a big difference in my understanding of that special relationship between grandparents and grandchildren. And you can remember how many, how many grandparents got this cell phone and you learned how to use this cell phone so they could communicate with their grandchildren. And certainly during COVID, you know, they learned how to do Zoom so they could look at their grandchildren and so it really, it really, and it helped me to understand, you know, my father and my son's relationship. It was a very, very special relationship. My father did the cooking and now in, in, in my son's home, he does the cooking. I said, oh, your granddad would be so proud of you. And he says, and now I know why he enjoyed it so much. And so, you know, that, that special uh relationship is why elders and youngins can work together <laughs> or ought to be able to work together. There's just so much wisdom in, in that. And um, I think, again, based on the fact that I've traveled in other countries and witnessed the relationships, the cultural values, the things that make them different from capitalist America. <laughs> Then, you know, I have an appreciation for the gifts of others. And I can remind um, women that I'm working with that this is not, you know, this might be the picture, but let's let's create a different picture. Let's create an empowering picture. Let's create something that 
that for that is fulfilling and nurturing so that you know this time around you can be and do your best i mean you weren't born here to suffer <laughs> i love the um the the grandparents and the grandchildren and i find it really sad you know sky bergman you know, I know the name yes um yeah. she did a wonderful film called lives well lived and she interviewed, I don't know, a hundred elderly people, and then has a has a videos of of uh, like 50, fifty of them or something, mm-hmm. and it's wonderful video. Um, and what? But and one of the things she does in addition to that is have um, intergenerational groups. Yes, and I think that's so important because she and I were talking once, and what she's found in these groups is so many young people have no contact with older people anymore because their grandparents are not still with us or they're living on the other side of the country or the, and they the, the oldest people they have contact with are their parents um and it is such a such a loss uh, and so i think any i think one of the um jobs of us today is to figure out how to do more intergenerational work because I think I and I see it as going both ways I mean I don't have any pretense that I'm I have a lot to teach a younger person um I may but they've got at least as much to teach me oh I absolutely agree with you and that's one of the commitments that was made uh, after our rites of passage that we do intergenerational circles and one of the uh, one of the women is going to do um, do another, create another elder circle. But we, we, those of us who were initiated together, have a commitment to do intergenerational because there are things that we have to teach and to learn. And 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 many of the youth are asking for this. They're asking, we want to interact with them. When are we going to get to meet with the elders? When are we, you know, this is something that um, is, is a current priority for a number of younger people. And I think it's a, it's a very beautiful and necessary thing. And how fortunate for those who, who can help make that happen. Because it is essential. Yes, I absolutely agree. We're coming to the end of our time, but what I would like to do is have you explain for anyone who thinks they might be interested in having a, an elder ceremony, what, what, what advice would you give them? Uh, certainly connect with other elders. Consider what it means to be an elder and how coming together for a ceremony that recognizes us. I always think about the Jewish community, you know, the teens, the bat mitzvah and the bar mitzvah. And so certainly connecting with other, other elders, and it may be something that you can do through your spiritual community. It may be something, um, you know, you can certainly reach out to me uh, for specifics in your geographic area. Uh, But I think it is definitely gathering with other 
uh, elders, we know younger people, and it might start. And you may you may decide to say, okay, I'm we're willing to come to your school and have an after school program, or just you know something that we can talk about what we want. You can also do that in your spiritual community. I think that even in educational institutions, you know, the community college or colleges, there are places that you can meet just to begin having that dialogue. And one of the most important things, um, when I was in Oakland on Piedmont Avenue, there were several elder housing facilities and they would have children from the school go over there and read and, you know, or the pet thing. And it was always so enriching for the children and enriching for the elders to have that contact, to have that interaction. It was just a plus, plus, plus for everybody. And so that if in your communities where there are elder centers or where there are rec programs, put them together. That's a start. That's a great idea. And two things occur to me. One is is every older person an elder? That's a good question. <laughs> I think that that's really interesting because, <laughs> because to me, elder connotes more than just age, right? So anyway, that was one thought. The second thought was, I think, and maybe you've done this, Harriet, I think you should write how to conduct your elder service, transition service. Okay. I think that is a wonderful thing to think about because I think that we don't have enough ceremony after we get out of whatever our last education was. <laughs> you know, yeah. we have graduate, uh, they even have graduation now from, I don't know, sixth grade. I mean, you've had, you have graduations and graduations and graduations and graduations. And then for people who get married, there's a wedding. Mm -hmm. And then, but in terms of celebrations for you, that's sort of the end. No, it's like I say, you get an ARP card and some senior discount. Yeah, that's right. And, so, and I don't knock it, but there's more. There's, there's more, more that we have to give and to share. And when we can do that collectively, it really makes yeah. I think that's it a makes it. So, Harriet, I could imagine people are going to want to get in touch with you. And if they want to, how can they do that? The best thing is through the right resort. And it is T-H-E and then write W-R-I-G-H-T um, and then R-E-S-O-R-T. So that's the website. And on the website, there's um, an opportunity to, to download a free gift, um, one of th three different options. And once you download that gift, then you're on the mailing list and we have an opportunity to meet. I, we can create... Um, uh, I use a, a, a contact program, but then, you know, we can have an opportunity to interact and engage and really see, well, what is, what, what is it that you would like support or guidance or mentoring in, but it really starts, um, you know, with my website, the right resort.com. Great. Thank you so much. We're at the end of our time. So please join us again. 
You can find our Prime Spark podcast on every popular outlet. Find out more about Prime Spark at www.primesparkwomen.com. Thank you so much to my guest, Harriet Tubman Wright. And don't forget, you can find her at The Wright Resort. That's Wright, W-R-I-G-H-T. So therightresort.com. You can get a free gift there. We will have that uh, connection also uh, on the site um, when you look at the podcast. So thank you for being with us today. Spread tolerance and love. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode and would like to stay updated, you can head over to my website, primesparkwomen.com, and get my free spark guide, Seven Questions to Ignite Your Spark, to help you discover your own spark. See you in the next episode.